Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. Welcome to House Hacking Success. Today we have Anna Klein on the show. She's an amazing CPA and uh, she's going to teach us a lot about real estate from a tax perspective today. Uh, Anna, thank you for coming. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Thanks, Drew, for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So my firm is um, focuses on real estate investors only, including house hackers. So we work with clients all over the United States to help them understand and what I call play the game um, of real estate and taxes. I like that term, play the game, because there's a lot of rules to the rule book and for me, I'm better off hiring someone that knows the rule book than trying to read all the rules. Yeah, absolutely. Playing the I tell my clients, I'm like, if you're not playing, you're losing. At the end of the day, um, you have to think of who is making these laws. And it's, you know, people in Congress, the senators who are investing in real estate and they're making these laws to benefit them, even though they tell us they're going to benefit, you know, other people. So we just need to play with them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to dive into a little bit about how taxes work from a house hacking perspective. But before we do that, uh, could you share with us why a real estate investor would want a CPA and then what benefits they're going to get out of having a CPA and what benefits they're going to get from a tax perspective out of real estate? Absolutely. That is a really good question that I get a lot from investors who go from you know their W-2 jobs to being able to do their taxes on TurboTax, right? And that's great because that suffice. It's totally okay and it's very cost effective. However, when you get to playing in the real estate world, especially um, those who really don't have any idea how taxes work, the number one reason I advise people to get a CPA is because of the basis. So especially in house hacking, it's a lot different. So to just not bore you guys with the details of that is essentially the basis is what you purchase your property for. And that's going to determine when you decide to sell it or when you do a 1031 exchange, how much capital gain you have. And what I find a lot when I see returns from either prior accountants or people who try to do the taxes themselves, the depreciation is a total mess because it's very, it's not as easy as just, oh, I purchased it for 485 that's entirely the basis. So I would say that's the number one reason why people should get a CPA. Absolutely. So what kind of benefits are they going to have as a real estate investor? Absolutely. So then the other thing is, so you let's say you have a W-2 job and you're making, let's say, $100,000. There is really no room for you to decrease that number to decrease your taxable income. But once you get to, um, once you have real estate, let's say you make $100,000 and now you have real estate. So now you have rental income and now you're at a loss because most of the time rental income will give you a, um, what's called a paper loss because of depreciation and all those things. So you'll be able to take that $100,000 and reduce that number so that you can continue to reduce your taxable income and then in turn pay less taxes. Okay. So, so even if you have a cash flowing rental, um, there's going to be enough depreciation to where it's going to offset that cash flow. So that's going to be tax-free and it's going to decrease your taxable income from your job. 
Yes. I mean, and not everyone, there's really good cash flowing that will not, but mm-hmm. yes, that's the point. Yeah. Um, you'll have enough depreciation to be able to decrease that number. That's a huge benefit to a lot of people. Absolutely. Because like I said, when you have a W-2 job, there's really nothing you, well, there are, but there's very little, you just contribute more to your 401k, you put it to your Roth, but you don't really have control over that. You just, there's maximums that you can set and that's it. Mm -hmm. So do you recommend um, if you have a W-2 job, you know, opting out to pay taxes and waiting until the end of the year? Um, So you're not contributing from your paycheck just because of that offset? Um, do you mean if you have a real estate, if you have a house hack or investments? Yeah. Um, so yes, I still would take the money out of your check, no matter what. Um, I would just, that's why CPA is great because you can plan, right? Mm-hmm. There's it, that, that's all this is. It's a planning game because we need to realize, okay, this is how much you have. This is how much W2 money you make. And this is how many rental properties do we need to pay now? Do we need to wait? So it's all about planning. And that's why it's another great idea to get a CPA. So let's say uh, I got a property and it's time for me to get a CPA because I don't know what I'm doing as far as taxes go. Um, What should I look for in a CPA? What kind of questions should I ask? And um, what answers should I expect from them? (laughs) That's a really good question. And I get that a lot. Um, so one of the things, the number one thing is making sure that they are experts. And I wouldn't say, you know, expert is a really big word, but they have knowledge, intensive knowledge on real estate, because when it comes to real estate and manufacturing, those are totally two different, um, worlds, right? There's credits for manufacturing that real estate doesn't have, and the laws are changing for everything. So, I tell clients, think about it as a doctor. When you are sick, you go to the general doctor, but eventually when they're, you know, they diagnose you with something really specific, you're going to go to that specific doctor. So that's where I think um, having someone, having a CPA or having a firm that has a real estate niche is what you need. Um, so that's the number one question I would ask. Hey, how, you know, how well versed? Um I, I talked to someone earlier this week and they said they did ask that question and the accountant said, well, I have a couple of people who have like uh, a couple of buildings. I'm like, well, what's your future look like? Do you want to continue to buy real estate property? You kind of want someone who has more experience than just some of my clients have that. Um, the other thing is what I ask, what I um, ask, want people to ask is definitely how often do you meet with your clients? That's really important because if you're just seeing your accountant at the end of the year, that's not good. You should be talking okay. to your accountant or your CPA throughout the entire year. Again, it is up to the client, right? We can't chase all mm-hmm. of our clients, <laughs> but we need to, you know, the CPA needs to say, yes, I'm here, but I need you to speak to me because what if you do 20 flips, you buy a house hack and you don't tell me until April? Well, I'm sorry. What can I do for you then? What did you tell me? The whole year? <laughs> so it's really critical that um, they're available for you throughout the year. Okay. So what kind of due diligence does the client have from that perspective throughout the year? Just uh, keeping the CPA informed. Um, is there going to be paperwork involved, tracking? So what I do is I have my clients at least reach out every three months. I think that's a very good um, time frame. I do have other ones that are very active and are doing things all the time that do reach out to us like during the month. Um, so it's really just numbers. That's what I tell my clients, like fill me in with numbers, new numbers that you have, 
that are critical that can make a big difference at the end of the year. So if you, like I said, the flips are a really big thing. You know, people do that a lot. So it's like, how many flips did you do? Do you want to do a 1031? There's just so much. It's like, just send me numbers so I can play with them and then give you advice on what to do. Okay. Very cool. So it's very important to have a CPA clearly and give you a right direction. And you don't want to be, you know, if you're doing a lot of flips, that's going to be a lot of capital gains tax that you're gonna have to pay. And you want to be aware of that. Totally. And how prepared. Yeah, I think I think people think, you know, there's another question I get a lot and I'm going to bring it up here because I want everyone to know, <clears throat> excuse me, is do I have to record the income from a house hack? I don't know why I get this question a lot because there must be somebody out there telling people not to record the income. But yes, you any income that you get should be reported to the IRS. But also with house hacking, it is a lot more different. You know, it depends. Some I have some house hackers that rent buy the room. There's some house hackers that, you know, buy one side and then are renting the other side. So it's a little more complicated for basis because you're living in one of those units. So now you can't just say, oh, I bought it for 500,000. And what about repairs and maintenance? I think for house hackers, it's also really important to um, definitely get a CPA. Okay. So can we talk a little bit about those scenarios? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a single family renting by the room versus maybe a duplex or triplex. And if there is a difference, so with house hacking, um, it's a great, as you know, I mean, obviously I don't have to tell you the benefits of house hacking. You can tell me that it's amazing, but from a tax perspective, what happens is now you're living in one, whether it's one room or one unit. So we'll start with the units. So let's say you buy a duplex, you're living in one and you're renting out the other. So for tax purposes, we're going to have to split that. And I'm going to just say half. But again, this is not advice. Make sure you talk to your CPA because it could vary by a lot. So we're just going to say it's a 2,000 square foot duplex. You live in 1,000 and the other one is rented. So the awesome thing is that a thousand, you know, half of that will be able to deduct expenses, taxes, insurance. All of that will go on your Schedule E. However, the other half, you're not going to be able to do anything. So that's pretty easy excuse me, that's pretty easy when it's half and half because it's literally half and half. But when people are renting by the room, that gets a little more complicated because now it's like, well, I repaired the kitchen. Well, everybody uses the kitchen, including you as an owner. So it does get more complicated. We just have to dig in a little more and like square footage and there is no tax code that I can go to and say, well, what if they replace the kitchen? Like, it's just an edu- you know, it's very just you just need to make educational mm-hmm. um, estimates on that. So I definitely think that especially for house hacking, it, it's more important than people think it's just so easy. Right. I get that a lot. Well, this is easy. I'm like, well, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so if I did some sort of maintenance in the unit that I'm living in, um, any fixing or remodeling, that's not going to count towards a deduction for the rental property. Correct. So anything that any repairs or any expenses that are related to the unit that you live in are not an expense and are not going to be able to be deducted. However, it's critical though that you keep track of that because eventually most of the house hackers, their goal is to get in there, have enough money, move out and do another rental investment, right? So we want to have those expenses as well, especially for basis purposes. Again, it's boring and it's a lot more difficult. So it's like you just need to keep track of your expenses, even though we're not able to deduct it. Okay. 
And then as far as tracking those expenses, how do your clients typically track them? Is it just in a spreadsheet? Um, is there any apps that you recommend that they use? Yes. So most of my clients track it in an Excel spreadsheet, which is perfectly fine. Um, there's a couple of apps that I recommend. Um, I'm sure you, I don't know if you've heard of them. It's called Stessa. S-T-E-S-S-A. I love Stessa. It's so easy, so efficient. You link your bank account and you just get the report to your CPA at the end of the year. I absolutely love that. Um, So there's another one, QuickBooks. QuickBooks is a little more complicated if you have more than one property. Um, So I think Stessa or an Excel spreadsheet will suffice. Okay. Yeah. I've seen Stessa. Um, For those interested, we'll put a link in the bio so they can check it out. Yeah, it's great. Um, Another one that I tell clients a lot is so receipts, right? Receipts are always like, well, do I have to save them because they're on my credit card statement? And yes, you do actually, because your credit card statement doesn't give me any description of what that was. You just told me you went to Lowe's and spent $25,000. And it's like, well, I don't know what that's for. <laughs> um, so keeping receipts is really important. And there's another app it's called, and you know, I'll, I'll give you all the information. It's called Scanner For Me. It's free. So you take a picture of the receipt and it puts it into PDF. And then you can just email it to yourself instead of having like a box of receipts. You just throw that away and you send it to you and you have it somewhere electronically. Mm, that's a really cool idea. And then if you're emailing it to yourself, you could set up an automatic rule in your email. So you can, whatever the subject is, it could be receipts. You get an automatic rule that any subject with the name receipts just goes right into a folder and you can automate that and not have to worry about it. Exactly. I mean, this is all about automation, working smarter, not harder. And just focusing on the tax you know, for, you know, the, the cash flow, I guess, for me. Yeah. And, you know, the tracking isn't the most exciting part about real estate. Right. But when you keep it simple like that, if it's in Stessa, you know, it's probably just can you do that on your phone? You know, I, I don't know if Stessa has an I'm sure they can. I'm sure who doesn't have an app nowadays. Right. So I'm pretty sure you can. Sure. I, I do it on my on my computer. I use Stessa for my own properties. Um, so I love it personally. Yeah, either way, it's it's not going to take that long once you have a system. Yeah, exactly. And especially if you, depending on what your future is, if you want to continue growing, you need to have processes in place because you need to treat this as a business. It's not, I mean, if you want to really be serious about real estate and continue growing, this is a business and you need to make sure you have processes in place and understand that, you know, a CPA or like your realtor or a lawyer, what I say, it's not an expense, it's an investment because you could be, you know, maybe you're paying your CPA right now 500 bucks, but maybe you're overpaying by $10,000. Well, you're really paying $10,500. You just are not paying it to your CPA. So it's an investment and you just have to, I don't know, bite the bullet. I love that point that you have to treat it like a business because it's so true. Even when, you, you know, if you're living in it and renting out just one unit or a couple of rooms, it might not feel as much of like a business. Um, but if you treat it like a business from day one, you're going to develop those habits early and as you scale up, if that's your goal, I mean, you're going to have a good system. You're going to have a great CPA if you find the right CPA and everything's just going to work out for you. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And then most people who, you know, who are house hacking, their goal is to continue to increase. It's a great way to get in. It's an easier way to get into real estate. So I do agree with you. So how soon, let's say I'm getting ready to house hack. This is going to be my first investment property, uh, maybe even my first house. How soon should I engage a CPA? That's, I get that question a lot too. And I think um, definitely it's up to the client, right? Because remember that it's an investment. So it's not, 
just like a, sometimes a free consultation as people think. So it's, I definitely advise that once you have it and you, you do, you know, purchase it and you have numbers that you do talk to a CPA, but most CPAs will say that fourth quarter of every year is like our busiest time. Like tax season is busy. We get it. But the fourth quarter is really tax planning season. That's when we can say, all right, Drew, give me your numbers. Where are you at? You need to buy this, this, and this like related to the business or do this because otherwise you're going to end up paying X amount of dollars. So I would say at least during the fourth quarter, have a conversation with a CPA so you know where you're at next year. Again, there's really little we can do next year for the prior, you know, for the prior year. Okay. Yeah. Don't make the mistake I did the first time I reached out to a CPA and wait till like February (laughs) or March and they're like, no, I can't take you on. I'm too busy. That's yeah. That's another huge thing. And then, yeah, that's, yeah, that sucks. actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, yeah. You know, used to like W2 job before I ever owned a property, you just turbo tax and it's not that hard. Right. And then you get an investment property that you're house hacking, you know, just like, I need a CPA now. So yeah. And, you know, going back to the, you know, we we're talking about keeping track of expenses. It's crucial that you do it as you go and not wait until the end of the year because a, it's a pain in the butt. I mean, that sounds horrible. And then you're just going like, Oh, I forgot what I did. I'll just put this or, you know what I mean? Because you're so antsy to move on with your year. So you could be missing out on a lot of expenses because you're not tracking things correctly. And there's so many apps out there that it's like, it's very easy. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, if it's if you don't want to use an app, just get in Google Sheets or Excel and track it on your phone, you know, whatever you have to do. But, yeah. you know, it, it should be easy. It shouldn't have a lot of resistance to be able to track. And it should be a habit that you develop early on. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So a lot of people are always asking if they need to get an LLC with house hacking. And what is your perspective on that? Should you be getting an LLC with house hacking and should you be getting an LLC for an investment property? So I heard a horrible story. So this is where I'm going to tell you my answer now is yes. It is a cost of doing business. So now I think you should just get an LLC no matter what. I know that, you know, in California, getting an LLC is $800 minimum. So that's a you know significant expense, but Here's the story I heard from one of my mentors and I was like horrified and we were like, everybody needs to get an LLC. So there was a client um, who was older. He built his wealth in real estate his whole life, you know, had a lot of wealth and his son was 21 and got into a car accident and did some significant damage to the other person. Um, So then the other person's family got some savage lawyer came after them and there was no LLC in any of his rentals. So yes, he had great insurance, everything, but the lawyer realized that they could get a lot more because you can't put a price on how much you hurt, you know, a human. So they went after a lot of his real estate business. So you never know. Mm -hmm. You think that insurance may cover you, but the lawyers are there to get as much as they can. So their commission is bigger. So now I just say it's a cost of doing business just do it. Okay, cool. And we'll, we'll have to talk more about that from a house hacking perspective. Cause, um, for my case, like I use an FHA loan. Um, so it's gotta be in my name. Um, if you're buying an investment property, definitely get an LLC. And 
what I need to learn more about is can I refinance into an LLC when I refinance into an investor loan? Yeah, that's 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 the big question because most banks will recall your loan when you want to change it to an L to mm-hmm. an LLC versus your name, Drew. Um, and that's why it's really important to have really good relationships with bankers because and they're probably going to hate me when I say this, but they can do a lot more than they say they can. You just have to see who they like and what kind of relationship you have, because it is critical that eventually all of your properties have an LLC so that you are just totally separated from that. So you would recommend going with a local bankers, someone um, that you can build a relationship with? I do. I think at the beginning, um, I've seen at least some of my clients um, that really works. Eventually, you build enough wealth and you, that you really doesn't matter. People are going to be begging to take you, right? But even I think at the beginning, it's really crucial to work with a local lender who can trust you, who knows your dad or knows your mom. You know, they have that relationship, so they give you more leverage. You have a little bit more leverage. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about capital gains tax, um, as far as how long you have to live in the property from uh, a house hacking perspective, most people are doing it with owner occupied loans, which require that you stay in the property for one year. And a lot of people will structure their house hacking, um, you know, strategy to move out in a year, go get another house hack with another owner occupied loan. Um, but one thing that I don't think people talk enough about is you have to live there for two years to not have to pay capital gains tax. So I think there's some perspective and strategy that people need to think about in terms of that. Yeah, I really I'm so glad you brought this up because I don't think this is talked about enough. And it's the section 121. So what that is, is as an individual, you if you sell your primary residence, you can um exclude up to $500,000 of gain if you're married filing jointly or 250 if you're single. So that's really cool because, you know, people move in all the time. And that was a huge thing. Actually, this is how a lot of people made their money. Like in 2008, these builders would buy these houses, live in them for two years or their spouse, and then they would do this. So it's a great thing. But for house hacking, yes, for lending purposes, one year, but not for tax purposes. So that's why strategy is great because you have to live in it for two out of the last five years in order to qualify for that exclusion. But now remember that if you are living on one and renting the other, um, only the one you're living in qualifies for the exclusion, not the whole thing, because it's where it's your primary residence. So this is where having a CPA is great because you people might not know this, And one of the reasons why people get into house hacking is so that, you know, it covers their entire mortgage or, you know, you know, decreases their expenses. But if you live in a city that is appreciating insane and your plan is to sell that house hack and getting to multifamily syndications or whatever, we need to play the game and say if it's worth the house hacking to get the tax benefits now versus you paying the capital gains in whenever so that's where it's really important to, you know, strategize. Okay. So that, that's really interesting. So how, so you live in one unit for two years and then say you sell and you get some profits, how is the capital capital gains being paid? Are you, you're still paying on half the sale then because you only lived yeah. in half the property. 
That's really interesting. So, um, you know, some people might move into one unit while they're remodeling another one and then move into the one they remodeled. So that could actually interrupt that uh, time frame. Exactly. So there's, like I said, there's just so much in real estate and laws that it's like, you just, it just, it'd be nice to have a CPA, right? That you're like, Hey Bob, so this is what I'm planning on doing. And then I just respond back like, well, these are the consequences. This is what could happen. Now you figure it out. Um, a lot of house hackers don't sell their house. You know, at least the ones that I have, my clients don't sell their house within two years. So they're fine, but there are a lot of people like, imagine if you're like in San Francisco and you find something super cheap, Mm -hmm. I mean, there you can buy it for, let's say a dollar and sell it for $5 in a year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, most, most house hackers, their goal is to keep them as long-term rentals, but Mm -hmm. you know, if the area appreciates and you can make a lot of money off that and then scale that up to buy a bigger, better property or more properties, I mean, you might consider selling in a few years. You just never know, um, long-term. So it's good to plan for that. So how would that work um, in a single family if you're renting by the bedroom? Um, would you have to pay capital gains on a portion or would you be yes. exempt from capital gains? No. So it's the same thing. Well, if you're renting you know, by the room, it's the yeah. same thing. We need to come up with a basis that was your personal basis versus the rental income base- basis. So okay. it does so complicated. If you, yeah, if you're got a four bedroom and you're running out three of them, it could be paying capital gains on 75%. Correct. And then, um, you know, you could, you know, you can always use it as a 1031 exchange, the one that, you know, for the rentals. So it's, it's just complicated. It is complicated, honestly. And it's just really just having someone who you can bounce ideas back and forth and planning correctly, I guess. Yeah, of course. And then you can plan jumping around in units if that's something that you're going to do. Yeah, that's that's a really good point that you bring up. I forgot. I, I do have two clients who did that. They're like, oh, we moved into this one, but we're renovating and then we're moving into that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, or, or you have a kid or, you know, a girlfriend moves in or whatever and you want more space and the other unit's bigger. You start, exactly. So now you're starting your time frame over your, your time limit over. So you know, this is a great, you know, point for me to say this. And it's like when people say, oh, it's easy. It's like, is it that easy? <laughs> To just, yeah. you know, do your own taxes. TurboTax is not going to tell you all of this, you know? No, no TurboTax is not uh, house hacking specialized. So no. I would definitely go with a CPA and I wouldn't try to do it on my own. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. So a lot of people might have like the do-it-yourself mindset and decide that I'm going to do the taxes on my own and save myself a few hundred dollars because, you know, I can handle this and I don't need a CPA. But um, maybe we can talk about what the cost of a CPA is. Because it's probably going to be worth it. And um, they're probably going to actually save you more money than you could save yourself, too. Yes. So that's like the elephant in the room question. People call me and they're like, well, how much is it? And I'm like, all right. So, I mean, I'm going to give what I've seen, um, you know, my other colleagues, you know, because it, it varies. Right. But I definitely think that anyone with any investment properties, including a house hack, um, tax returns are going to start anywhere between $600. I don't think it'd go up to a thousand, but I think you should really think about, you know, 500 to $600 is really where you're going to be at with your tax return. So uh, you mentioned, um, what was it? The 150 rule? Yeah. So here's another thing that a lot of people um, sometimes don't hear about. I mean, they do, but they, maybe they don't understand. So 
you know, when you get into real estate, like we were saying earlier, the whole point is to decrease your taxable income, right? That's the goal so we can pay less taxes. However, eventually you get to the point where let's say you have a spouse and you both make over six figures. Um, now your taxable income is over, let's say it's 200, right? And you have rental properties and you're passive. And I mean passive, yes, maybe you are taking um, like applications and you're doing that. That's still passive. You're not actively being the property manager and that's not your full-time job. So you, let's say you and your spouse are married, you know, you both make over six figures and you have losses from your rental properties over 20, you have a maximum of $25,000 that you can deduct once. Okay. But once your AGI, which is your adjusted gross income, um, goes over 150,000, you are no longer allowed to take any passive losses. So that means that the whole goal of you, hey, let me get some losses so I can reduce my taxable income, it's gone. So a lot of people get frustrated. A lot of my clients are in that who are brand new. Um, and I'm like, okay, let me explain to you that, yes, that is unfortunate, but you're literally getting rent and you're not paying any money on it. <laughs> yeah, that's number one. That's huge. Number two is somebody else is paying down and building equity for you. Remember that this whole real estate is not to get rich today. It's for the future. It's for the wealth of your kids. It's for the freedom. So yes, you're not going to get the tax benefits right now, but you get to save those losses like in a little like savings account. And then when you have gains, you can offset those losses, those gains with those losses. I'm sorry. So does that make sense? It makes sense in my head. Sometimes it's hard to explain. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I, I love the point too that you made on, you know, it's a long-term game, right? Because everyone talks about cash flow and um, we always talk about, you know, living rent-free because of house hacking. And that's uh, definitely a short-term gain there. But uh, the equity that you talked about, you know, people are paying down your loan. Um, eventually the house is going to be paid off if you don't refinance too many times. But you could use that refinance as leverage. Uh, there's there's so many tools and so much opportunity that it creates uh, more than just the cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just the long term growth and your wealth is like, I mean, that's like from what I've seen my clients, that's really why they're in it, you know, to literally sit on a beach. I know we, you know, people say that all the time, like <laughs> I just want to sit on a beach and collect rent. Like who doesn't? So think about that when, you know, if you do don't qualify for those losses and it is very hard. So a lot of people then I'll follow up with this question is, well, how do I get to be quali How do I get to qualify to be able to take those losses? And there is something you can do, which is called um, becoming um, getting not a certification like per the IRS. You have to be an active. Oh, my God, I can't think of the name. Um, the real estate professional status. There we go. So. In order to qualify to be able to take any passive losses, you have to qualify for that. However, it is so hard if you're a W-2 employee and you're working full time, it is nearly impossible to become that because you have to put in literally 750 hours and more than half of your time has to be spent in real estate. And that does not include me having a podcast with you. It does not include me researching properties. It's very hard to be able to qualify for that. Okay. What kind of things do you have to do to qualify for that? 
So a perfectly good example, you most likely you will never qualify if you have a real job, a nine to five, you will not qualify <laughs> because how do you prove that you spent more than 2000 hours on your job and then another 2000, there's no right. it's possible, right? So what I tell clients, it's like the good example is of those who really quit their W2 job and just become full-time real estate, whether it's a property manager, whether you're a wholesaler. So you don't have a nine to five at Bank of America. Like that's going to be difficult. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You'd be very busy otherwise. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and yeah, like I said, it's, it, it's very, um, the rules are very strict and I'm very strict with my clients when they try to pull that fast and then, like, well, I can qualify. I'm like, well, where's your log? Because that's, we you know I've seen, um, audits and court cases mm -hmm. where the judges are like, I want to see the log of your time. And of course people are like, what do you mean a log? I'm like, that's how they're going to see if you qualify or not. Oh, okay. So from a logging perspective, are they, is there an app that you use and you have to write down what you were doing or is it just like a clock in clock out type of thing? Uh, people really use their calendar. I think that's like the biggest thing, you know, like schedule meetings. Like if you're a property manager, like, you know, I use my calendar for everything. Otherwise I don't know what I'm doing. So I think that would be a good one. Um, that's how I've seen my clients do it. But you, I guess you could use a spreadsheet and there's gotta be some app out there as well. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure. There's an app for everything. Yeah, literally there's an app for everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we wrap it up, um, we have a few closing questions that we usually go over. Uh, the first one is, what separates house hackers that are actually house hacking and taking action uh, from those who are just talking about it but not actually putting their plans in motion and taking action? Honestly, I think for me, I feel like it has a lot to do also with, you know, if you were to ever want to start doing something, it's really just jump the gun, like do it, like actually put your money where your mouth is and don't be scared. You have to risk it. Um, so I think people who are more risk averse and are like, I'm doing this, um, that really separates someone who's like, Oh, I'm thinking about it. I've listened to 80,000 hours of podcasts. It's like, <laughs> no, just do it. like why you're really ready to go. Yep. Quit planning and just go. Yeah, I love it. Just do it. So, so do you have a favorite, uh, business book or uh, business resource? Yeah. So I listened to this podcast. It's amazing. It's called the real business owners. And it is, I love like no BS straight to the point, you know, and these guys are just amazing about that. So I would recommend anyone who either has a business, including real estate, or is thinking about starting a business. Um, I love that podcast. Okay. Awesome. What about a uh, real estate specific uh, book or resource? My favorite book is called why the rich keep getting rich why the rich stay rich. I think it's something like that. I'll have to send it to you, but it's by, um, Robert Kiyosaki. So it's mm -hmm. like the upper version of, you know, rich dad, poor dad. And it just opened my eyes on why the rich stay rich or continue to get rich. It's crazy. Yeah. Anything from uh, Kiyosaki's gold. So yeah, I'm sure it's great. Um, I haven't read that one particularly. So, um, where can people find out more about you? Um, if they want to work with you or just reach out with, reach out to you, um, where would you like them to reach out to? Absolutely. So we have um, our Instagram. Go follow us on Instagram at Anna K C P A, and I'm sure you'll put it in the notes. Thing. Um, yep. And then um, we do offer consultations. So you can go to our website, fill out a web form, and if it's a match or it makes sense to work together, we'll reach out to you so that we can play the game together. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, we'll put those in the description. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, they can find the links down there. 
And I really appreciate you coming on the show. This was a really good episode. Uh, I think we learned a lot about how taxes work from a house hacking perspective, and it's just not talked uh, enough about. And uh, thanks to this episode and thanks to your knowledge, uh, we can help educate our listeners a lot more about how taxes work with house hacking and how important it is to understand them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Drew. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you could do me a huge favor and go give us a five-star rating on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. It would really help us out. If we provided any value, please go do that. Otherwise, there's a lot of people who haven't subscribed. So go ahead and go subscribe and you'll get notifications when a new podcast episode is released. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day.